Hi everyone, welcome back. I'm your host Nikki D and I'm sitting here on Love, Sex, Kink podcast with a very special guest today. Marla, would you like to introduce yourself? Absolutely. Uh, Thanks for having me, Nikki. I am Marla. I am a sexual strategist and sexologist at Velvet Lips, uh, which is my sexuality education company that combines comprehensive sex ed, somatic body work, as well as sex therapy. And um, I'm also one of the co-founders of the Sex Down South Conference. And uh, I do a whole lot of other things too, but uh, <laughs> which, I'll keep it short and simple for now. So that's who I am in a, in a nutshell. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I cannot wait. I have some questions. I have some questions, but first um, I, this season, I start every episode with each guest, mostly with a game. And I thought it would be pretty cool to play uh, never have I ever with you. So are you down? Absolutely. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. I have three questions. Okay. First question. Mm -hmm. Um, Never have I ever had a threesome. I've definitely had a threesome. (laughs) Me too. This this (laughs) my finger is down. Second question. Um, Never have I ever fallen in love after a one night stand. Never. (laughs) I have never fallen in love after a one night stand. (laughs) For y'all, obviously, who can't see us, my finger is also down again. Mm -hmm. Um, Third question and final question. Never have I ever played with someone in public. I've definitely done that. Right, right, right. Okay, (laughs) I have no more fingers on my three-finger hand. I have five fingers, but no more fingers left. This is great. Thank you for playing with me. Um, Yes, thank you. That was fun. Yes, yes, yes. So my my first story, I always start off asking people, um, what is your story and what motivates you to do what you do? Hmm. Well, I think my story basically comes from, I I feel like a few things. I think one, my mother was a sex positive, what I would deem a sex positive parent and helping me to learn sexual responsibility, um, helping me, you know, with my body and and what it does and um, really trying to um, get me to understand sexuality in a whole. And I think part of that too was for her out of fear. You're right. She didn't want me Mm -hmm. to be a teenage mother like she was. Mm. And then in college, um, I continued to study sexuality. And what I realized is that I had a knack for helping people, um, you know, around their sex lives. Uh, And so I, you know, all my friends and, and friends of friends used to come to me for sexual advice and from there, I was just like, I think this needs to be like my job. This needs to be what I do. It's kind of organic and, and, in a, and very much organic in the sense of people will tell me about their sex lives and I don't even have to tell them anything or who I am or what I do or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really fascinating to experience that um, uh, just to know that, hey, like this is my calling, right? Um, and uh And then, uh, like I said, in college, I was giving people advice. And what motivated me in particular was that I was having lots of orgasms. And, you know, I was hooking up with a variety of people and having a lot of fun. And 
when I realized where my friends were not having orgasms <laughs> and I was like, uh, that's a problem. Uh, so that is really what motivated me is really just trying to help others make sure that they have satisfying sex lives and, and to help them achieve orgasm uh, in the way that feels good to them. That's awesome. Um, what really sticks out to me, because I'm, I'm thinking as, as you're saying this, I'm like, I think it's so interesting to find out what people are called to do um, mm. and how they're called to do it. You know, because I'm, I'm, I'm like, damn, you know, you don't hear too many people too often say like, my mom actually helped me discover and taught me a lot about my body and myself, you know, mm -hmm. um, for several reasons, especially if your mother's black, right? Like, um, sometimes that tends to be things that we don't necessarily talk about as a community as often as we probably should as freely mm -hmm. and health and healthy way as we should so I think it's pretty cool that your mom instilled that from the get-go like just passing down that knowledge and being like this is this is what this is this is how you do this and we're gonna have serious conversations because you know I care for my child and I'm I'm passing um that energy and that knowledge down only for you to help and nurture others as well. I think that's so cool. Yeah, absolutely. My mom, I'm a huge fan of my mother and she really broke a lot of patterns um, from her, from her past. And so I just really always appreciate her for that and helping me um, be the person that I am today. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to ask you, because this was actually another episode, I'm just, what would you say was one thing that your mom taught you about pleasure that you just haven't forgotten or that you think about quite often? She's, you know, she really told me that, like, you are going to get horny and that's okay. <laughs> You know, and that's okay. If you're going to get horny, you know, you can masturbate. Um, if you want to have sex, like this is what you do. You know, you go to the store, you get some mm -hmm. condoms. I mean, granted, it was very, you know, cis hetero, you know, aimed. But even mm -hmm. when I came out, you know, to her, she really, um, you know, I, I came out as having a girlfriend at 16. And so she, she was like, uh... I don't know what to do or I don't know how <laughs> they do it, but here you go. And she gave me like a lesbian sex pamphlet. Oh, that's and, dope. <laughs> and it was, you know, <laughs> granted it was embarrassing, right? At 16, <laughs> but, um, but so my mother, right? Like, I don't know anything, but I'm going to learn. And this is the way that I'm going to do it. That's so dope. That's so dope. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, let's talk about um, velvet lips a little bit. What type of sexual um, sexual or uh, sorry sexual education does your company uh, provide for people and couples and just I guess everybody in general? Yeah, well, I really help people with their communication skills, particularly around seduction techniques, helping them with romance and helping them understand their partners, like uh, similar to, you know, the five love languages that a lot of people know. Um, mm -hmm. I came, uh, came up with this sexual theory of the seduction learning styles, and it's really how to connect with others that make people feel good and make people 
you know, essentially feel connected and get connected to you. So um, that is, um, you can find that in our book um, that I co-wrote with Dr. Jess um, called The Ultimate Guide to Seduction and Foreplay. And it has both of our sexual theories in there. Well, hers is around the core erotic feeling and elevated erotic feeling. And of course, mine again is the seduction learning styles. So um, a lot of my work is based on that foundation. And then on top of that, I also help people with enhancing their sex skills. So teaching Mm. them all sorts of skills, stuff that is science backed. Um, You know, as a sexologist, I research a lot and have done a lot of sex research. Um, and you know, with my background in academia, it's kind of like that and my experiences have Mm -hmm. really helped me to, um, let people know about all the different ways that we can achieve pleasure. So velvet lips, I do workshops, I do coaching. Um, I speak, I do trainings, I do, you know, lots of things, um, in order to help people with their sex lives. Okay, cool. Um, so I have, obviously, I have another question. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, because I was reading this article, um, I feel like that was last week, and it was inspired by a meme, and someone was essentially talking about how, um, and I, I believe it was directed toward heterosexuals, but it was talking about how um, the woman wasn't really satisfied because she felt like the man just cr- tries to get to it, and that's it, and there's no foreplay, and some of the best things about sex is um, not just the orgasm, but working towards the orgasm. Yeah, and I started, mm-hmm. Right, right. And I started thinking about it. And I was like, because uh, I'm partnered. And I'm just like, I am wondering if I need a refresher in all of this. Because I feel like, you know, uh, just to give you some context. So I wasn't. I was sexually active and of course I play too with BDSM and stuff like that. So there's energy sharing there, but it wasn't on the same level as like being with someone you, you really, really just want to be with and like, then sexually vibe with as well as romantically. Right. And I've been thinking lately, it's like, I don't feel like I'm really truly, truly maxing out my potential in this area. Um, so my, my question is, um, is that like, do you ever deal with people who have been used to being like, oh yeah, you know, I'm, I'm sexually satisfying my partner. I'm good at this. I love sex, blah, blah, blah. And there's like this time period of where it might not have been like that. And then they are reintroduced to being very sexual again. Um, having, uh, issues, I guess I want to say, um, navigating, I guess, pleasure again. You know, I think there's a big difference between like being 23, 24 versus mid 30s and back <laughs> yeah, into absolutely. this. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, our sexuality ebbs and flows. You know, not all the time we are going to be horny on 10, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times people like to compare them. A, a, a lot of people like to compare themselves to people with what I would deem maybe higher, you know, sex. Uh, libidos, right? So people mm-hmm. who like to have sex often. 
um, those who do not necessarily like to have sex as often. So maybe they are once a weekers, maybe they're once a monthers tend to be like, oh my gosh, should I be feeling horny more? Should I be feeling this or that? So I do help people get over those insecurities because um, it's a matter of what do you and your partner want? You know what right. I mean? And if you have, you know, you want to have sex seven days a week, and your partner only wants to do once, you know, what is, you know, can you come, you know, to the middle with something? Is there something that can be negotiated? Um, but usually I like to tackle mm -hmm. these things before people get too into a relationship. So with mm. my single folks, I really stress that, hey, when you, you know, start dating, it's really important to ask these questions if you were trying to like move, you know, up the, you know, relationship escalator, right? Mm -hmm. Um and get to, you know, something that's more long-term or something that's, you know, maybe you want to nest or maybe you want to get married or whatever, right? So folks who are working towards that thing and um, these questions need to be asked. They, you know, folks need to be on the same page because what tends to happen is people get into marriages, right? And then like mm -hmm. 10 years into their marriage, they're like, you know what? I've never had an orgasm. I'm not satisfied. And I'm, you know, now I don't know what to do because I've been lying to my partner this whole time, or I've been faking it, or I've been just dissatisfied, but you know, I've maybe made the sacrifice of, uh, made some sort of sacrifice, right? Mm -hmm. um, in order to have the life that they have. So um, for me, it's really important to, for, for people to know that, you know, like I said, our sexuality goes up and down. However, um, but if you take the time to really um, dedicate towards your dedicate time towards your sexuality it's going to be fruitful so what that mm -hmm. means is maybe you take a class maybe you um you know go to a sex club maybe it's something that helps you foster your relationship maybe you buy a new sex toy or engage new fantasies you know every quarter or something like that <laughs> you know think about like what are the ways that you can um be more present uh, sexually with your partner. And of course, everybody needs a refresher. It's not just you or, you know, whatever, or your lover or lovers, you know, it's about like, you learn, you, we learn something new about our partners all the time and our bodies change all the time. Yes. And so, that is the thing that no one talked. I didn't, I did not understand that until it happened. Mm, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, you, you're fine. That just stuck a school. Uh, no one tells you how that affects your sexuality as well. It, and it was weird for me because I, I tell, I tell people, you know, my sister told me this when I was younger and I did not believe her at all. And I remember I have an older sister. She's about 13 years older than me. And she was like, I had to be 15 at the time. So she was probably like, yeah, 28. She was like, yeah, um, the breasts don't grow in until you turn 27 with us. I was like, huh? I was like, I mean, I'm pretty all right now. Like, I'm, I'm you know, I'm masculine centered presenting. So they didn't really need to be that big. I'm wearing a sports bra all the time. That's the point, right? And <laughs> yep. I did not believe her until it was around that age. All of a sudden I had like filled out completely. And I was like, whoa, hold on. Like going from B's to little D's and it, it was just different. And like how women were even interacting with my body and looking at me was different. And I didn't, it doesn't bother me. I mean, I, but it's it's just a different type of thing that no one talks about as much as I think they probably should because it totally changed 
how I interacted and even felt about myself more so in the bedroom. I'm sorry. I definitely didn't mean to cut you off, but that no, you're fine. <laughs> no, no, that's great. Because I think, like I said, a lot of people don't talk about that. And the thing is what we liked or didn't like 10 years ago, we might like now. Yeah. And so I think that's important to really understand like, Hey, I remember when somebody was like, Oh yeah, let me put my finger in your butt. And I was like, no. <laughs> and then to go, you know, 10 you know, 15 years later. And I'm like, if you're not eating my ass, it's a problem. You know what I mean? (laughs) So like, it's kind of one of those things where, like I said, your body change, your, your, your sexuality changes. And Mm -hmm. it's just a matter of how do you evolve, uh, you know, with your lover or lovers. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's something to think about and have a conversation. How soon do you think, um, uh, people should ha- be having conversations about their preferences in the bedroom if they're dating someone. Immediately. Like- <laughs> <laughs> Immediately. First date. Um, I-, I think it's really important to put all your cards on the table on the first date because like you don't want to waste your time. And mm-hmm. I, I, per- I personally don't want to waste my time. Um, and, you know, when we tend, when we're dating, we tend to want to get to know that person and want to know more. But what happens is that we, we like, oh, I like this person. And we tend to bend our values or bend mm-hmm. who, you know, the things about us. And then later on, when we finally, you know, maybe get in a long-term relationship with them or get in a relationship with them, like, oh, wait a minute, I actually do not like this thing, or Mm -hmm. I'm actually like, no, this actually is not going to work. So, um, I think it's detrimental that we talk about that immediately. And, and if you, you know, get along and everything's good, great. Um, but I've definitely had to see clients where, you know, where I remember I had a client and I saw her for a year. And then I was like, we need to get your husband, you know, in here because mm-hmm. something just feels amiss and I don't know what it is. And basically what happened is like when she got her husband in there, it was, you know, she had basically did a whole bait and switch and oh, he had fell in love with this person that she was. And then she was like, well, I'm actually not that person, but you were, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so like, for him to fall in love with this person who is not really her, I was like, that's a huge problem. And of course, you know, they made kids and all that stuff. So it's, you know, I just find that to be, if we can avoid that <laughs> uh, and the dating, you know, when we're like dating and ask those really, really important questions about yeah. our values and how we function in relationships, um, we would, we would be better off as, as individuals, as people, as, as lovers. I agree. Where do you think that comes from? Like this idea of, okay, well, as long as I hook him or them, um, you know, I don't have to show up as my actual self. Cause I always thought that was an odd, that was an odd thing to do, right? Like I'm going to find this person that I want to partner up with, but I'm not going to present myself. It's going to be a representative sexually i think i I get it to a certain extent of why you might want to do that personality wise i think it's still the same result and i do still think it's unhealthy but sexually kind of doesn't make sense to me because then you're like 
So you're going to start off having sex all the time and then you're just going to stop. And then that person's going to be confused on why it's not consistent, especially if they were very clear from the get go. These are their expectations. But right. how does that not I, I guess what I'm asking, for, like that confuses me. But I like that. So people is like, how does that not feel not necessarily violent, but like rude? it's wrong it's wrong to have a misrepresentation of yourself to to do a bait and switch i think you're not living authentically you're not you know you just want to get this person for selfish reasons Mm -hmm. and you're not being fair to their feelings and they are going to resent you so the fact is you have to come to grips with do i want this person to resent me in knowing that like hey i'm actually not being my whole self And then you have to ask yourself that question. If I can't be my whole self with this person, why am I want to be with this person? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if you feel like you can't be your whole self, then I think that is telling in and of itself of you need to go back and do some work on yourself to ensure that you feel good about being you, being wholly you and without any kind of regrets. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, that that happens when I think you see it, especially with families that I'm just going to say it off the top of my head. Cause it's, it's just, I don't need to censor this, but I feel like as black people, sometimes we have these traditions and these expectations of us from our families, from our culture that don't go hand in hand with this idea around pleasure and that we deserve pleasure and that it's okay to have orgasms multiple ones it's okay to have multiple partners as long as you're doing that ethically right it's okay to think and be outside these boxes that were forced on us um through religion and culture and all these other things um and that leads me to my next question why do you think sex related related discussions particularly for black folks in the south or people in the south i, I would imagine that other cultures could really identify with this too um are seen as taboo but also harmful or or in case of a lot of parents they just don't even want to think about it like I was telling someone the other day I'm like I'm pretty sure I did not have a conversation about sex with my parents but I watched a lot of tv and I wasn't necessarily just watching porn like I was I love that show real sex on HBO like I really wish they would bring it back because I love that show and like I watched it a lot, which is probably where I got a lot of my ideas and my interests from. And that was like the beginning of my curious journey. But there are things that I would expect that I would have learned from my parents, but I definitely didn't. And I was lucky because it didn't really affect me so much. But um, I could tell that they're from Arkansas. So I'm I'm, I'm absolutely sure that might have been a conversation that, you know, they also didn't have with their um, parents. Yeah. So your so your question is just around. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can get long with it sometime. I'm working on it. Um, but my, my question is, what do you think it is that that keeps people from having these conversations, or you know, what is it, especially in particularly in the South, or with that Southern culture? Um, yeah, that keeps us from having these discussions with each other. Well, I think part of it is, um, uh, uh, you know, being in the Bible Belt. I think a lot of it is religious trauma. 
Um, so with religion, we don't, uh, we, we hear about sexuality being bad and, and we have the, you know, there's certain expectations of what a man and a woman should be like. And so those expectations really put a damper on, uh, people's sexual attitudes. So like I wrote a chapter, um, a book I co-edited called the Inter An intersectional approach to sex therapy, where I talk mm. about how I queer straight black relationships in the South, because, you know, I, I, I help them to think about sex in a different way. And, you know, that in particular is uh, fruitful because um, it really helps them to realize, hey, that isn't me. That is something that I brought up that was brought up in my culture. Mm -hmm. Right. Or something that my family taught me that I don't necessarily agree with. Um and even, and like I said, like with religion, even in, you know, Muslim religions or, or Muslims, I'm sorry, Islam, there's, um, uh, you know, there's the rule of, not the rule, but the, you know, the, the piousness, like we have to be, you know, um, uh, pure, right? Before, you know, you get married. And then when you get married, you're supposed to be the whole, the freak, right? And it's like, mm -hmm. how do you go from being, pure to the freak, you know, to make that, to, to make that transition, it's difficult. And so I have a, um, a lot of times when, when folks um, come to me who are Muslim that are, they really have particular issues around um, making, um, like understanding their sexuality and trying to transition from not married to married. Um, so yeah, I feel like religion plays a, a huge role. I feel I feel like uh, family plays a huge role. There's so many queers in the South, and I also feel like the shutdown of information or the um, the not being as accepting um, yeah. can be a huge factor into um, why people don't get the sexuality information that they need. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I I do think and I I I think it's huge. It's it's just about family, yeah, culture and 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 religion. Yeah. Totally agree. Totally agree. All right, my next question. <clears throat> um what do you consider to be the most common sex related um issue amongst queer folks? Hmm. Um, I would have to say, uh, like libido, uh, like desire, like sexual desire, mm -hmm. um, like knowing what feels, um, what is, uh, what do you call it? What is good and, and, and what, not what is good, but, you know, having more sex or less sex or coming to some sort of place, um, around that and then understanding their own desire. Cause sometimes I think sometimes people think like, Oh, well I like this. Okay. And what else, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's gotta be other things that you desire, not just the genitals, you know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. so I think it's really important, um, for queer folks to understand that sexuality goes beyond their genitals and to, it's about communication. It's about the seduction piece. It's about enhancing your sex skills and not thinking that you are the best and don't need any, don't have anything to learn. Yeah. We always have something 
something to learn. I feel like that's one of my biggest issues too, sometimes with, with queer folks and <laughs> with straight cis men. They're like, think they know it all around sexuality, which is, you know, not right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And there's just so many things. I remember this one time, this was years ago. I probably just graduated college. And this dude said to me, he was like, we weren't sleeping together or anything, but um, I think he was sleeping with one of my friends. And he goes, I feel like if it's good for me, it's good for her. And I was like, can you break down that thought process for me? <laughs> I'm like, I want to know exactly how you got there. Like what clues led you to lead with your, how you felt first? And if it must feel good to you, it must feel good to someone else. And he was like, just because I was like, that's not an answer. He was like, well, I mean, what's the point if not? I'm, I was, I was, I was like, I was explaining to him, well, maybe it's different for me because my dick is not attached to me. So I have to be mindful, right? Like I have to be watching. I have to hear. I use all these sensory things to figure out if she likes it or not. Versus men are also dealing with, I shouldn't say they're dealing with it as if they are experience it but more like since they have a dick they're driven from a more um physically centered mind uh uh mind ring and so I guess they figure yeah it must be good for her because it's like feeling amazing for me and I'm like even as a human being that doesn't make sense you know um (laughs) (laughs) so I question like all all the questions that people have, that leads me to, what do you think is something that most people need to know about sexuality from the get-go? Like if you taught a sex 101 class for 2022 for adults, what would be like the three main things that you think adults now mostly probably need to know about their sexuality? Well, I would say the number one thing that it it changes, right? Um, mm-hmm. And that, you know, like I said before, you know, things that you liked in the past, maybe you might want to do some new things or your body might change, right? So understand that your sexuality may change and what that looks like is different for each person. So that's number one. Number two, I would say... Um, there's always room to learn and to grow, right? There's always something new that you could find out around sex and sexuality. Um, right now, you know, kink is, is, has blown up, right? Since, Mm -hmm. since the 50 shades of gray, right? More people are more (laughs) interested in kink and, um, and, and that's valid. And I think it's just really important that people understand like, Hey, Um, there's more to sexuality than just, you know, um, uh, what do you call it? Missionary, you know, heterosexual sex. Right. Mm -hmm. And so what does that look like exactly? Um, so there's that. And, um, what else? Um, you deserve to orgasm. Mm. You know, I think um, we, we, as educators, we tend to say, you know, orgasm isn't everything. Pleasure is the goal. Orgasm is like the cherry on top. But I don't know. Have you felt an orgasm? 
Yes. Orgasms yep. are amazing. Why <laughs> amazing. wouldn't we want to make those required, right? Frequently. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes I kind of butt heads a little bit with that kind of concept. Like I get it, because especially if you know you're on meds or something is dimming down your orgasm or mm-hmm. you're having trouble, you know, you're having anorgasmia or some other, you know, sexual issues that might make you feel, you know, anxious about having orgasm. But like you're having an orgasm, but I really feel like, you know, people deserve to have orgasms and they should have them if they can. And they should help their partners to have orgasms. (laughs) So, you know, it's not only a selfish thing because I just a, a lot of times it's like when I'm, you know, helping heterosexual couples, it's like you know, the man is just like, well, you know, of course I orgasm every time. And I'm like, okay, I need you to like pause because your lover is not getting orgasms the way that you're getting orgasms. Right. Why does that bother you? Like, yeah. Why doesn't that bother you? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And so, you know, some of them do get bothered. Some of them are like, you know, it does kind of bother me and it's just like, okay, great. It should. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so Yeah, I think it's just, it's imperative that we um, really uh, make more effort (laughs) towards having (laughs) orgasms. I agree. I agree. Okay, so I also wanted to ask you about sex down south. I've always wanted to go, I'm usually traveling and can never make it. Hopefully soon is my, my time to venture down there. But can you tell us a little bit more about this? Because... Uh, for the ones who don't know, I'm pretty sure many of listeners do know what sex down south is. But for those who don't, can you tell us a little bit more about the conference? And um, honestly, why was that something that was like your baby that led you to co-found? Yeah, absolutely. So Sex Down South is a conference in Atlanta every year. We are in our eighth year, I believe. Um, and we are, it's a three day learning conference. So we have, you know, we learn during the day and then we have fun, you know, in the evening, uh, we have a healing space, we have a dungeon, uh, we have, you know, parties in the evening. Oh my gosh, there's a snake in my backyard. Oh, um, (laughs) and, um, and, uh, we basically, we have fun. So it's lots of different educators, folks we call enthusiasts, people who want to learn around sex and sexuality. And um, yeah, that's what we, that's what we do. And it's, we, it formed because, you know, T and I were going to sex conferences and number one, there weren't a lot of people of color. Mm -hmm. And so we were like, okay, we need to make something for us. And two, it was just stale. There were a lot, there's a lot of stale conferences out there. Just like there's not, just like not a lot of fun. And so (laughs) we really wanted to make sure we had fun. So um, it was important for us to uh, prioritize folks of color, queer, trans, MB folks, disabled folks, sex workers, survivors, um, so that we get our voices heard so that we are, um, 
at the center and that um, we, you know, and that we are learning from each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is why we formed the conference and it's been great. It's going to be big this year. We haven't even made any announcements and we've sold a lot of tickets. So <laughs> um, I think it's really, it's really freaking cool that, you know, we, um, that we're, we're doing it again. And of course, of course we're going to make it a hybrid too. So for those, those folks who can't make it, um, they can, you know, attend in some way, shape or fashion, but, um, but yeah, we're doing it. Oh, that's pretty neat. I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm hoping, um, I am cleared that weekend. So me and my partner can go down. Cause that'll be like a fun little date trip. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we're at time. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I really enjoyed the, I enjoyed your conversation. I would love to have you back when we can. Um, cause I, I, ha- I have so many questions even still, but I don't, I definitely don't want to hold you cause I know you're a busy woman or person. Yeah, I'm a woman too. <laughs> you got it right. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, where can people find out more about you and contact you for services and things? Absolutely. You can contact me uh, via my website, velvetlipssexed.com. Uh, you can go, if you want to register for the sex down South, you can go to sexdownsouth.com. Um, if you want to find me on social media, I'm at Velvet Lips Sex Ed. That's sex without the E. And then at one, the number one, Marla Stewart, S-T-E-W-A-R-T. And um, at SDS Con on Instagram and uh, Twitter and Facebook with Sex Down South ATL. So uh, you can find me on all of those things and, you know, hit me up. Or you can also text me um, at 404-737-1364 and join my text list. Nice, nice. Well, thank you so much. And uh, see you next time, everybody. Thank you for having me.